The Texas Football Today podcast is brought to you by Chocolate Milk and Built by Nature. Catch Texas Football Today live weekdays at noon on TexasFootball.com and Facebook. And get involved with the show using hashtag TFToday. And so suddenly you start talking about, obviously, Lone Star, Ryan, um, Alvin Shadow Creek, uh, teams like Lufkin. Lufkin. Angleton. Angleton. um, You start looking at these teams in 5A Division I. Hutto. Yeah, Hutto. Richmond Foster, mm-hmm. uh, San Antonio Wagner. Wagner. You yep. can start dreaming on a team from Region 4. Lancaster, if maybe. There, yeah, if there's not this team at the top. And all this did was put a little blood on the throne and say, all right, it's game on. Mm-hmm. It is game on in mm-hmm. 5A Division 1. And in one game, the entire shape of the, of the division changed. Mm-hmm. Again, nobody is piling dirt on Highland Park. Sure. Okay? They're going to be fine, and they're going to be in the mix, and it wouldn't be a surprise if they won another title. Right. But... We now know that they are not invincible, and that opens up five a division one in a lot of fun ways. Uh, thought number two: jury's still out, and I'm talking about college football in this one. And there's a few different squads I want to talk about. One is TCU. TCU goes on the road and beats Purdue, more like per don't. <laughs> Boo! <laughs> Get out of the studio. He's walking off on that one. Uh, yeah, gr- yeah. For all the podcasts, he just threw his headphones down and just the skip. Yes. Oh no, yes. it, that's too much for a Monday. <laughs> Get that out of here on a Monday. They beat Purdue, <laughs> and they do it in a really impressive fashion. Um, that was impressive to go on the road and beat a Big Ten team. Uh, I hate you. Uh, <laughs> there, uh, there was SMU. SMU, I know you were at the game, Texas yeah. State. Yeah. Uh, but they, I mean, you. I think you have to admit, they looked pretty darn impressive. Oh, they did. I know you were on the wrong side of it. Oh, they were so good. Uh, and it wasn't even that Shane Bichelle was great. He was fine. He threw two picks. Were pretty mm-hmm. kind of, I think that was more of Texas State's defense were actually being really good this season. But they ran the ball insanely well. TJ McDaniel had not played all season. Yeah. All of a sudden, yeah. By the way, remember me from South Lake Carroll? Rushing yeah. 2,000 yards last year. Absolutely, Tortex stayed a new one. Um, we knew about Kamon Freeman, we knew about Xavier Jones, but now they have a third option in the backfield, and it's like they, the ground game is. I mean, the defense probably got tired because you know the offense, Tech State's offense, can do anything. Mm-hmm. But the fact that SMU's rushing game was what won them this game and won it decisively—that's mm-hmm. incredible. And then there's two teams that that were on the wrong end that yeah. I would I would highlight. One is Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. Uh, and after two weeks of doing nothing but just throwing flowers at the feet of Matt Wells and, and, and the Red Raiders, yeah. they go out there and just straight up lay an egg against Arizona. If you didn't stay up for it, if you're a fan of football in this state, you didn't miss much. Nope. It was Alan Poma was not good. Um, and they abandoned the run. And the defense is actually okay, but like, I don't know. There's that. <laughs> and then there's the other thing. The other one that, uh, that springs to mind is Houston. Mm-hmm. which is, you know, they play Washington State. They were basically beat by two touchdowns. They score a late garbage time touchdown mm-hmm. to, to make it a little interesting there at the very end. But, but fundamentally, they, they lost by two touchdowns. And, and I think for all four of those teams, I would say let's pump the brakes on any sort of overreaction to that. Sure. Yes, TCU looked good. Yes, SMU looked good. Yes, Houston struggled at times, although they hung with them for a bit. Mm-hmm. I, I think, I mean, that game was, I, I expected a lot worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So. And then Tech looked terrible. Yeah. For all of them, I would say we don't necessarily know. Um, and in a lot of ways, there's some teams that we're going to find out a lot about this week, uh, um, the, specifically Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. Texas A&M plays Auburn, 
and this is the first swing game. Yep. I think everyone and their dog could have predicted that Texas A&M would be 2-1 right now. Yep. Okay? Beat Texas State. All due respect. Mm. They beat Texas State. <laughs> they beat Lamar, right? Yep. And they lose out, lose to, to Clemson. I think everybody could chalk that out. Yep. Now, now comes the turn. And so it's going to be really interesting. So the jury's still out for me in college football. And thought number three, 2A Division II calamity. Oh, man. I don't, I literally do not know the last time this happened. Eight of the top 10 teams in 2A Division II lost. Eight. But here's the funny thing. I don't know if any of them are upsets. I don't know if any of them are upset because no. every single one of them lost to a team bigger than them. Yep. Every one of them. Hamlin lost to Holly. That's a 2A Division II losing to a 2A Division I. Franklin lost, or Mart lost to Franklin. Yes. That's a 2A Division II losing to a 3A. Mm-hmm. They lost last year. They lost last year. Albany lost to Eastland, a 3A. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grapeland lost to Crockett, a good 3A. Um, Wellington lost to Abernathy, a 3A. 3A? Yeah, 3A. Yeah, 3A. Thank you. Thank you. My point is that we have complete and total chaos in 2A Division Two, and that was the rankings that I think people are going to cock an eyebrow at whenever they come out because there's no good thing to do. Mm-hmm. So I'll tell you that we were extremely thoughtful about our rankings. I promise you we did, just, we did think about this. But in the end, our goal is to say who are the strongest teams. And boy, it sure seemed like it was wide open on Friday night with an absolute craziness going on in uh, 2A Division Two. Three helmet stickers. A helmet sticker for West Texas quarterback Avian Cruz. He ran 21 times for 372 yards and six touchdowns and added a passing touchdown out there in Stinnett. That's West Texas high quarterback Avian Cruz. A helmet sticker to SMU running back T.J. McDaniel in his first collegiate game <laughs> goes nuts. At one point, he had like eight carries yeah. for like 160 yards and three touchdowns. And these weren't huge holes he was running through. He was making moves. He was bouncing off tacklers. It was it was an impressive it performance. It was really impressive. And Dallas Carter defensive end Randy Anthony had 11 tackles, eight tackles for loss, four sacks, two forced fumbles, and a safety. A helmet sticker for Dallas Carter defensive end Randy Anthony. Three teams to watch. Rockdale. Mm-hmm. The V's lit, guys. Back. They're back. The Tigers are back, and they are three and zero. And if you are looking at that dis- division or district rather in District Ten, Three A Division One, and you're thinking, "Oh, it's Cabernet," watch out for Rockdale and watch out for Troy. It's a really good district. TCU certainly a team to watch. I, I still don't know if they figured out the quarterback thing. Don't think they have. But <laughs> Darius Anderson went nuts, and that defense is going to keep them in every single game. Their team certainly keeping on if they can just get something from the quarterbacks. Anything. Any, literally, you got to make a decision by now. Why don't we? Also true. We need to stop playing two (laughs) quarterbacks. You can't keep playing two quarterbacks and expect there to be like a clear cut decisiveness in the quarterback. Here's an idea. Why don't we just make the entire play now, Jalen Rager? (laughs) (laughs) Snap it to him. Pull a Jordan Whittington. Just pull a Jordan Whittington. Just snap it to him. Uh, And Abilene Cooper. Uh, Aaron Roan has the Cougars 3-0 and off to a three and zero start. They win the Crosstown Showdown. They beat Abilene. Big win for them. Three teams to worry about. Uh, I'm worried about Texarkana, Liberty, Ilo, and I had kind of grabbed a little bit of that stock beforehand, mm-hmm. before the season, because this is a program, this is a team that was the, the, not up to their standard last year, but were super, super, um, like ravaged by injuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no real excuse now. Uh, that is really, uh, the, I'm worried about them. Zero and three. 
And you, I mean, look at their schedule coming up. Atlanta, Argyle, Waco, La Vega. <laughs> and then really could be 0-6. Longview, Spring Hill, and then uh, Pleasant Grove. <laughs> Worried about them. Yep. Texas Tech. Uh, that was not good. Nope. Um, I'm willing to give them a one-week pass, but like that was a not good result against an Arizona team that I'm more convinced than ever is not very good. Right. Plain and simple. Uh, and finally, um, Mesquite Poteet is mm-hmm. also 0-3. And uh, even with Seth McGowan and company, the, the Pirates are struggling a little bit. Those are three teams to worry about. And that is Monday morning fallout. We did it. We are Texas Football Today. We are here every weekday at noon at TexasFootball.com, talking football in the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Dave Campbell's. Follow us on Instagram, Instagram.com slash Dave Campbell's. And, of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. TexasFootball.com is where you can find complete coverage of high school football, college football, and recruiting all across the Lone Star State. I want to invite you to become a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. That is our subscription package. Uh, you get two magazines, a year's worth of exclusive online content at TexasFootball.com, including uh, Tep and Step. Here's a fun story about Tep and Step, our premium high school football podcast. Myself, Matt Step, nerd out about high school football. Here's the problem. Matt Step, mm-hmm. not in the state right now. Oh, yeah. Matt Step, I believe last night slept in Joplin, Missouri on purpose. <laughs> um, he is on his way to Canada, to Canada, um, and he will, uh, but but tonight, he, he doesn't take days off. It's no days off with a Z. No days right. is off. He is going to record... Tep and Step via phone, via telephone, and we are going to have the podcast up for you tomorrow. He will be, I believe, calling us, calling me from Fort Wayne, Indiana. Hmm. So how do you follow up a night in Joplin? You stay in Fort Wayne, <laughs> With a night Indiana. <laughs> in Fort Wayne. Uh, if you do not think that Matt Step is committed to the cause, you're crazy. Uh, become, please support his, his illness. By going to TexasFootball.com slash insider uh, and paying for his... Uh, by, by becoming a Dave Campbell Sex Football Insider, all you're doing is encouraging this madness. So please do it. Yeah. TexasFootball.com slash insider. Makes a great gift as well. For uh, Autumnal Equinox or... Um, uh, what's the, um, what's the Jewish New Year we figured out? I don't know. Rob. Uh, Rosh Hashanah? Rosh Hashanah, yeah. Is that coming up? Yeah, I think Rosh I think it was at the end of it. I did tell someone yesterday to buy their sweetheart a subscription for the autumnal equinox. <laughs> yeah, Rosh Hashanah is coming up. <laughs> nice. I like that. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, do it for the autumnal equinox. <laughs> Promoting the brand. <laughs> right. Thank you. Thank you. You're fitting just fine. I'm trying. All right. It is now time to reveal the Dave Campbell's Texas football week four Texas high school football rankings. Um, Dave Campbell's Texas football, of course, is the official rankings Provider of the Associated Press uh, has published the state's most respected Texas high school football rankings for decades. Uh, weekly rankings are revealed live on TexasFootball.com every Monday here at 1215. It is Monday at 1215, and complete rankings can be found at TexasFootball.com slash rankings. We will start the big classification, Class 6A, where chalk! <laughs> Super-duper-duper chalky. Uh, in fact, entirely chalky. Every single team stayed exactly the same. Uh, in fact, of the top 25, only one team lost, and that was number 14, Spring Westfield. Spring Westfield lost on a last-second field goal to number 5, Galena Park North Shore. Uh, as a result, we think that that keeps them right about the same. Stay, kept them at number 14. 
I think you can make a real argument that Vandegrift should have moved in front of them. But I also think that Westfield didn't necessarily do anything to deserve to slip. Uh, they had North Shore more or less beat. Uh, everything else stays exactly the same. Your top 10 remains the same. One, Duncanville after an impressive win over St. John's uh, from D.C. Uh, Katie, uh, number two. Allen, number three, although they got a scare from Cop Yeah, Powell. they did. Number four, Longview. Number five, North Shore. Number six, Westlake. Number seven, Denton Geyer with an impressive win over North Crowley. Number eight, South Lake Carroll, who went two. Uh, Rattler Stadium and beat Odessa Permian. Number nine, Beaumont Westbrook, who took down Houston Lamar in impressive fashion. And number 10, Converse Judson. That is your 6A rankings. To 5A Division One we go, and there is a new number one atop the Dave Campbell's Texas football rankings. It is the Frisco Lone Star Rangers. Uh, the Rangers uh, leapfrog from number three to number one after their impressive road win over Highland Park. Number two, Denton Ryan. An idle Denton Ryan stays at number two. Alvin Shadow Creek moves up to number three with an impressive win over A-Leaf Elsick. They have been very good. Number four is Highland Park. Uh, they dropped to number four from number one after their loss. Lufkin's number five. Angleton stays idle at number six. Same with Hutto at seven. With an impressive win over El Paso del Valle. Richmond Foster stays the same at eight. Lancaster stays steady at nine. And San Antonio Wagner at ten. To 5A Division Two we go where it's also pretty chalky, at least in the top six. Uh, Alito, Fort Marshall, Corpus Christi, Cal Allen. Manville's up a spot to number five. AM Consolidated was idle. They stayed at number six. Bernie Champion, the big mover this week. They moved, jump up from number 10 to number six, courtesy of a couple of losses in front of them, specifically Huntsville, who's down to number seven after losing at College Station. They're down from number four. Back into the top 10. South Oak Cliff, they took care of business against Wilmer Hutchins. They jump up to number eight. Lubbock Cooper suffered a four-overtime loss to Wolf of Friendship. That drops them from seven to nine. And new to the top ten, Port and H's Groves, the Indians, up to number ten in 5A Division Two. To 4A we go, where the top five is entirely the same. Argyle, Carthage, La Vega, Sealy, and Paris are the top five in 4A Division One. Up two spots is Decatur. You saw Decatur on Friday night. What would yeah, you think? Very impressive. Uh, Roman Fuller is an incredible quarterback. Uh, they hammered a pretty good Midlothian Heritage squad. I thought. I don't think – I didn't come away thinking anything bad about Midlothian Heritage as opposed mm -hmm. to just really being impressed with that offense from Decatur. They looked very good, 41-28 over Midlothian Heritage. Columbia up to number seven after a win over Sweeney. They're up from number nine. Dumas beats Wichita Falls 7 nothing <laughs> and jumps up two spots from number 10 to number eight. Two newcomers to the 4A Division One rankings. Number nine, Brownwood. They took care of Graham, 28-14. They, Sammy Burnett's Lions are 3-0. They are roaring. And number 10, welcome to the top 10, Springtown, the Porcupines. Drubbed Glen Rose. They make their debut at number 10. To 4A Division Two. we go, where there's a little bit of movement, but not a whole lot. Ple uh, Pleasant Grove remains number one. Jasper remains number two. Waco Connolly will speak to their coach, Shane Anderson, coming up here momentarily. They are up a spot to number three, switching spots with number four, West Orange Stark, who drops a spot after losing a close one to number one, or to Newton, who, by the way, won't be number one in 3A Division Two. I just ruined it. Anyway. <laughs> um, Lebeck Estacado up a spot to number five. Gilmer is down a spot to number six after losing to Paris. Number nine, or up from number nine, is Midland Green. Greenwood, they're up to number nine or number seven. Uh, Sunnyvale remains the same at number eight, and uh, Robinson up a spot from number nine to or number ten to number nine after an impressive win over Troy. And finally, new to the rankings, Belleville, the Bramas are three and zero. They are after a twenty-one seven win over Stafford. They are your new number ten in four A Division two. To 3A we go. 3A Division One. The top three is entirely the same. Grandview and Malakoff. By the way, they play this week. Grandview is, or rather, Cameron Yo is number three. 
Wall up a spot to number four. A Gladewater makes a big leap from number f- seven to number five. Jefferson up to number six after a big win over Arp. They're up from number se- uh, number nine. Atlanta suffers a 48-17 loss at the hands of Pleasant Grove. They drop from number seven, number four to number seven. Bushland up two spots to number eight. Rockdale. New to the rankings at number nine, they beat Lexington 45-13. The Tigers are 3-0. And finally, dropping to number 10 is Yoakum. And I'll be honest, we toyed with dropping them from the rankings altogether. But they still have that win over Cuero. That still means a lot to us. We're keeping them at number 10 for now, but a 27-25 loss to Gonzalez uh, is is certainly a little bit discouraging. To 3A Division 2 we go, where Chalk! It's all the same. Everyone won. Everyone looked good doing it. Newton, of course, got the big win over West Orange Stark. Keep an eye on Abernathy, who dropped Wellington. That's an impressive win. Winthor- or Holiday stays steady at number seven after beating Winthorst. Uh, Rogers is now 3-0. and They are number eight in the rankings. Clifton and Cisco round out the top ten. To two-way we go, and we'll start with the boring part. That's two-way division one, where everything was more or less the same. We lost number eight, so Tenaha is up to number eight. Holly up to number nine. And then finally, new to the rankings, the Holland Hornets make their debut at number 10. And finally, we got to the fireworks factory, <laughs> where two-way division two is a total mess. Here's what we did. We kept Hamlin at number one. Okay, They suffer a two-point loss to a ranked division one team. And more or less, nobody was able to take advantage of it. We keep the Pied Pipers at number one. Fall City jumps from six to two by virtue of basically just taking care of business and winning in the right week. Mm-hmm. They they beat uh, they beat Stockdale uh, twenty to three. To me, they have the um, to me Holly's loss or Hamlin's loss is more impressive than Fall City's loss. That's basically what it comes down to. Here's the part that's weird. Mart moves up from five to three with a loss to Franklin. It's a four-point loss to a 3A team, a good 3A team. Um, we were actually pretty impressed with that performance. I know that seems weird to move up after a loss, but that's just the way that it had to be. And, and in the end, I still believe in Mart. That's, that's where we end up keeping Mart. Uh, they move up from five to three. Albany drops a spot to number four after a big blowout loss to Eastland. Uh, Grapeland drops from number two to number five after a blowout loss to Crockett. Bremont up from 10 to 6. Again, you just won on the right week. <laughs> they beat Milano 44 to 6. Wellington drops from number 4 to number 7 after a blowout loss to Abernathy. And three newcomers to the 2A Division 2 rankings. Granger is 3 0 after a win over Meridian. Flatonia makes their debut at number 9 with a win over Thrall. And Stratford returns to the rankings with a 64 0 win over Guyman, Oklahoma. So there is your top 10 in 2A Division 2. I promise you we thought a lot about this, and this just ends up being the, the thing that we feel best about. The, the bottom line of it is that there was when there's such chaos, mm-hmm. you just start comparing bodies of work, right. and I still think Hamlin has the most impressive body of work. No, I agree. And, like, you know, I think the Mart ranking is going to be probably the biggest head-scratcher, but like, like you said, like losing to Franklin by the smallest margin that anybody lost to a bigger school yeah. uh, this weekend, like – that says something, and you have to almost mark that as a win in and of itself, based on what everybody else did. Right. And, and it's not like we didn't reward teams for be, for taking, like you said, Falls City, uh, for Bremont, right? Teams mm-hmm. that did take care of business, they moved up in the rankings. But we just also had to take into account that the losses 
we had to contextualize the losses really that's uh, exactly that's a great way to put it. we have to yeah. contextualize the losses so there you go go ahead and just email me about it it's fine i know you're gonna <laughs> I mean, and, and let, it's, a, it's literally i promise you we did not throw this together we thought very hard well, and hard about and look this. at it this way like basically from here on out they're gonna be playing they're, they're gonna be playing each other like right. we're gonna be seeing measuring sticks against two-way division two two-way division yes. one things like that the biggest issue is that they the, all a lot of teams lost yeah. but those teams ended up being well they ended up losing to teams that were bigger than them so right. we want to take that into account to 1A we go, our six-man rankings helped compiled by our six-man insider Lehman Saunders in 1A Division 2. A little bit of movement. Oakwood and Richland Springs switch spots. Oakwood, uh, even with a loss to Milford, they move up a little bit because that was a very impressive loss. Or right, that's two, 1A Division 2. Let me do 1A Division 1 real quick. Milford, number one. Uh, uh, White Deer stays number two. McLean stays number three. Balmeray makes the big jump from number eight to number four after a big win over number five, Garden City, who dropped down to number nine after the loss. Uh, Borden County up two spots to number five. Lakey stays uh, Stay City at number six. Uh, Sterling City uh, drops three spots uh, with a win over Hermley. Uh, Ira beats uh, Ira move up a spot to Luter uh, with a win over Luter's Avoca. Uh, Garden City, we mentioned them, they drop, and Paducah stays steady at number 10. 1A Division 2, we go. Jayton and Strawn remain 1 and 2. Oakwood and Richland Springs switch spots. Oakwood looked impressive in their loss to Milford. They earned a spot, a little bit of a bump. 6, 7, and 8 stays the same. Grand Falls Royalty, Blanket, and Blackwell. Uh, Groom makes a spot, makes a jump. That is actually an error. I need to change that to not ranked. Uh, Groom was not ranked. They make their debut there at number 9 after a win over the Nazareth Swifts. And Calvert drops a spot after losing to Bastrop Tribe Consolidated. A pretty good uh, private school team. So, to the private schools we go. Uh, the top five, a uh, little bit of a shuffling at the top. Dallas Parish Episcopal, your new number one in the 11-man private school rankings after a win over, big win over Tyler Grace Community. Bishop Dunn took a 49-0 loss on the chin from DeSoto. That drops him to number two. L Bishop Lynch, number three. Cedar Hill Trinity, number four. And Fort Worth Nolan stays steady at number five with a win over Salina. And finally, in the six-man ranks in the private schools, all chalk. Baytown Christian remains number one, 3-0 with a win over Conroe Covenant. Gainesville Lone Star North and Houston Emory Weiner were idle. They stay the same at number two and three. Dallas Lake Hill Prep beat Red Oak Villa. They stay to stay at number four. And Bulverde Bracken stays steady at number five with a win over San Antonio Jubilee. And there are your week four Dave Campbell's Texas football rankings. Uh, I'm going to push these live right now on the site. And so if you're interested, you can find those at texasfootball.com slash rankings. That is where you can find the rankings um, as compiled by the Dave Campbell's Texas football staff. Um, it was a wild week. And I will say that uh, these rankings are meant to be debated. So I hope that you will debate them with us. But uh, we, we spent a lot of time on them. Started thinking about you know how to how to measure these things. So in the end, feel pretty good about our rankings. In a chaotic week, we had to make some make some hard decisions. But oh, yeah. I feel pretty good about our rankings. No, I do too. Um, like you said, contextualizing things, making making giving performances that were admirable yeah. in the face of you know uh, like you said bigger schools versus smaller schools making that mean something giving that weight i think that's i think we succeeded at that yes. so we're at texas football today we're here every weekday at noon on texasfootball.com talking football in the lone star state you can follow us on twitter at dctf like us on facebook facebook.com slash dave campbell's follow us on instagram instagram.com slash dave campbell's and of course see us at texasfootball.com texasfootball.com is where you can find complete coverage of high school football college football and recruiting all across the Lone Star State. I want to invite you to become a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider, texasfootball.com slash insider. Ashley, let's go to the hotline and bring in the head coach of the recently announced number three team, 
uh, in the 4A Division II rankings. We are joined uh, by the head coach of the Waco Connolly Cadets. Uh, we're joined by Coach Shane Anderson. Coach, how are you? Doing great. How are you guys doing today? Excellent. How are things in beautiful Waco, Texas? They're unbelievable. 3-0 and and uh, getting ready uh, for another week of high school football. Kind of our last test before we start district next week. Yeah, I want to ask you about about this past Friday night. You guys, um, you guys were you know in a dogfight with China Spring with a good China Spring squad. End up scoring uh, scoring the final fourteen points of the game to to, uh, to bring home uh, a victory. Uh, I'm interested. Maybe you know you're you're a guy who who knows these guys. These are these are a lot of kids who have been in your program, uh, you know, for for a while now. But but do you feel like you learned something about your team on Friday night? No, there's no doubt. We learned uh, that uh, we're pretty tough mentally. And uh, that we can overcome adversity, uh, you know, in all shape, forms, and fashion. And that, you know, our kids and coaching staff is very resilient. Yeah, and, and you know, one thing I'm, I'm interested in is that you guys, uh, you know, I think a lot of attention is going to be paid to a lot of the offense that, that you guys are able to put out. And I want to talk about some of your, your superstars coming up here in a moment. But but this is the game where it seemed like your defense had to hold you guys in it. Uh, and, and you had to come up with, with big plays. Uh, overall, through three games, how would you characterize the way that your defense is playing? You know, I think they're getting better and better each week. You know, uh, our defensive coordinator, uh, Clint Clayton, and his staff do a great job every week of uh, putting our kids in position to be successful. And, uh, you know, last Friday night was no difference. You know, uh, hats off to Coach Bell and those guys at China Spring. Did a great job of scheming us up, moving the ball up and down the field. But, you know, uh, we had two big fourth down stands in the first half. And, uh you know, keep them out of the end zone and, uh, you know, kept it close. And that's what we talked to them at halftime. It was 14-7, to 7 and we just talked to them about keeping it close. If we kept it close, we felt like down the stretch that, uh, you know, some of our athletes would, would make plays, and that's exactly what happened. One of those guys, one of those athletes is, is your outstanding running back, JV, on Sunday, a guy who I think, I think finally uh, the state is starting to, Pay attention to this kid because he is he was incredible last year and he's already off to a great start. Uh, he runs for uh, he runs for a, a hundred and two yards in the fourth quarter um, and and two touchdowns in the final seven twelve. Uh, you know I think we see the numbers we see the highlights things like that. But but you're the guy who gets to see JV on Sunday uh, every day in practice and every day around school. What is it about this young man that makes him special? You know first and foremost uh, you know he's he's one of the hardest working kids that I've ever been around and. Uh, you know, he's, uh, he's a weight room junkie. Uh, he's in the weight room before school. He's in the weight room after practice. Uh, comes up on Sundays while we're working. And, uh, you know, coach can, his weight room open. And uh, so, you know, he comes up and he just spends a lot of time. And I think mentally for him, he feels like the more time he spends in the weight room, uh, you know, the better off his results are on Friday night. He's, you know, a super strong kid and very, very physical kid. And, uh, you know, he's – He's had to overcome a lot of adversity in his life and uh, to get to where he's at today and to be committed to the University of Washington and, and, and you know, knowing that he's going to get to go play for Chris Peterson in that program uh, from, you know, where he was a few years ago is just unbelievable testament to, uh, to not only, you know, our coaching staff but to, to JV on himself. Uh, we're talking with Shane Anderson, the head coach of the Connolly Cadets here on Texas Football Today. Get involved in the conversation, hashtag TF Today. Um, you know, one another thing I'm, I'm interested in is is in that game, you, you guys seem to, to kind of limit his, his carries, his workload in, in, in the early going. Is that going to be a strategy? I mean, this is a kid who carried the ball 300 times last year. Uh, you know, he's, he's, he's certainly a workhorse, but are you guys mindful of, of managing his workload a little bit? 
Yeah, you know, actually uh, Friday night he uh, he kind of he got popped pretty good one mm. time, and uh, and uh, so he was he was a little bit shaken, and, and we were a little bit unsure of, of his status. Uh, it wasn't anything we planned. Uh, you know, we we knew the game was close, and so we weren't going to put him back out there unless we really really needed him. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we you know we knew if we could get into halftime and keep it a one score game. And I talked to him at halftime, and he's like, Coach, I'm fine. Uh, and I said, Well, let's get out there and. You know, we kind of took a strategy of if he was going to run the ball, we put him in. If he wasn't going to run it and our quarterback was going to run it, we put somebody else in to block for our quarterback, you know, just to try to, to protect him a little bit. And then we got to the fourth quarter and he said, hey, coach, I'm good. Let's go. And uh, so it wasn't anything we were trying to do as far as uh, limit his carries. It was just uh, kind of how the cookie crumbled. And, uh, you know, he just happened to score those last two touchdowns in the fourth quarter and rush for over 100 yards. And, you know, like I said, he's he's a tough dude, and uh, you know, just glad he's on our team. But uh, you know, we are trying to to limit his carries as far as you know. We talked to him all summer about uh, if we can get to week eleven with you know around 120, 150 carries. Uh, you know, we feel like we can ride him through the playoffs. Uh, you know, the other guy I know on, on your roster that, that catches a lot of attention uh, is, is Corey Black. This is a guy who's a two-way superstar, a guy who's got multiple D1 offers, a guy who's, uh, you know, I, I think pops off the page whenever you watch uh, watch his highlights. Um, you know, I'm, I'm interested in, in, in how you choose to deploy him because it, like, it seems like you could put him at basically any position outside of offensive tackle and he would be pretty effective. Uh, you know, what, what goes into de- to deciding how best to use this outstanding playmaker? You know, we uh, we talk to to all of our kids really about you know at this at this level you got to put your best eleven kids on the field, and uh, you know we have him and then we have uh, KV and Gaither, our junior quarterback, and then strong safety, and then we have uh, Marcus Long who's a junior, and then uh, Parrish Cox who plays corner and and spot plays on offense, and then uh, we actually have a lineman in Brian Williams that. Uh, that plays both sides of the ball quite frequently. And so, you know, we got a lot of kids that, that play both sides of the ball. You know, with Corey, you know, the biggest deal is we know that anytime he has the ball in his hands that he, that he can go score. And, uh, you know, he had a bunch of big plays the other night uh, to get us, you know, in, in great field position and kind of flip the field. And, you know, so we just try to pick and choose the moments and try to match, get some one-on-one matchups with him and, and the defense and – uh you know, just try to get the ball in his hands as much as we can, uh, you know, without wearing him totally out. But, uh, you know, we, we got to have him on defense. And, uh, you know, like I said, we just we try to, you know, pick and choose our moments as far as as far as getting him the ball. So you guys, uh, I want to talk a little bit about expectations because, you know, some magazine ranked you guys number six in, uh, in, in you know, in 4A Division two to start the year. Um, that is uh, obviously uh, uh, paying attention to, to the, the build that you guys have had there, there in your, your four years. Obviously, trending in the right direction, but uh, but but with those type that type of attention comes expectations. Uh, I'm I'm interested in, in what maybe what your message has been to to your guys, knowing full well that I'm sure you guys are getting more attention now than you've had uh, the past couple of years. So so what's been your message uh, within your program about managing those expectations? You know, like I, like I tell the local media, you know, uh, each week in our local newspaper that covers us, uh, you know, I, we, you know, we're not scared to talk about our goals. And uh, you know, I think any time that uh, you have a group of kids uh, that invest as much as these kids do and work as hard as these kids work, and a staff that works as hard as this coaching staff works, it has worked over the last couple of years to kind of turn this program around and and put it back on the map, so to speak. 
you know, we talk about our goals daily, and our goal, you know, obviously is to uh, – we have four major team goals of uh, making the playoffs, winning a district championship, practicing on Thanksgiving and playing in December, and those four goals. Uh, if you if you achieve all four of those goals, you've had a heck of a season. Uh, you know, we walked off the field last year against Pleasant Grove and, you know, fought them tooth and nail. And we knew when we walked off the field, if, if we had the off season in the summer that we were supposed to have and we should have with the guys we had coming back, that, you know, it would potentially set us up for, uh, you know, what we hope is a fourth-round matchup with those guys if we can take care of business and win our district. Um, you know, and, and, and I think the winner of that will have a chance to go win the whole thing. That's just being as honest as I can and not being cliche or holding anything back. And we've talked about that with our kids over and over again. The problem with all that is, is we play in a really, really tough district, and uh, you got to come to play every week, and you climb this deal. And we talked about, uh, you know, climbing the ladder as a team and, and, and getting to where we want to go and getting to that December 20th at 3 p.m. in the afternoon at Cowboys Stadium. And, and we talk about that weekly. And uh, while talking about that, we try to focus, you know, on being 1-0 each week. And, uh, you know, we, uh, we just got to keep getting better and keep doing the things that we know we can do and, and you know, and control the things we can control. You know, there's some things that are going to happen along the way that we can't control, injuries, things of that nature, weather, different things. Uh, you know, but we have to be ready for when those things happen, you know, to handle that adversity. But we do talk quite frequently about where we want to be and what we want to do to get there. So I uh, said so we're not really hiding anything as far as that goes. Uh, you, you mentioned uh, the your district, and uh, it, 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 it we knew it was going to be good. Uh, I would say that three or three weeks, it has maybe even exceeded those expectations. Robinson has looked very good. Fairfield off to an undefeated start. I think that uh, Lorena uh, and and Salado, I think also kind of in that mix. Uh, plus, you know, when when the teams that are struggling in your district are teams like Mahea and, and Madisonville, you know that it's going to be tough every week. I'm interested, kind of from your perspective of, of when you take a look at what you're up against. I know you got uh, a little bit uh, a little bit of time before then, but when you take a look at what you're going to be up against in District Eight Four A Division. Two, uh, what do you see from your perspective? You know, I see uh, six uh, really good football teams along with us in that district, and uh, you know, like some of those ones you mentioned, uh, you know, you can't get really caught up in the in the non-district uh, schedule of, of what they're doing. You know, like I said, because we all know each other, we've played for them. You know, besides really Madisonville, we've all been in the same district since I've been here, so. We know each other kind of like the back of our hand, and we know what you're going to get each week. And, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun to, to scheme up on the weekends and to try to put your kids in good position to make plays on Friday night. But, uh, you know, we're going to open up uh, that first game with Salado, and that's a team that we have kind of been our uh, bugaboo, so to speak. We haven't been able to, to get over the hump with those guys. And then Coach Allen Hare and that slot T, I tell you what, they're tough to stop. And, uh you know, so you know that's that's a big challenge up front, and then you, you then you go with uh, you know defending district champs Lorena and Coach Biles and those guys. They're young, but you know that you know what you're going to get each and every week with those guys, and they're going to continue to get better. And uh, you know they had a huge win the other night against Lampasas, and you know for him starting nine or ten sophomores, uh, it's going to be a you know a really special group you know there in Lorena, and then uh, you mentioned. Robinson, you know, the firepower they have on offense. I think he has 30 or 31 seniors in this group, which at our level is unheard of, um, you know, and his, his youngest son is in that class. So, you know, it's a tight-knit group. Uh, you know that he's close with those kids and his staff's close with those kids. And 
So they're gonna they're gonna handle the highs and lows and, and ride the roller coaster through the season. And you know we don't play them until week ten. And uh, so you know there's a, there's a lot of a lot of good teams, a lot of good football players in our district, a lot of great coaching staffs, and uh, we just got to make sure that that we show up and understand that we got a big old target. And every time we move up the ladder, you know, in the rankings, that target gets bigger and the the spotlight gets bigger. And we just got to make sure we don't drop the ball and cross T's and dot I's. And finally, one last question uh, for Shane Anderson, the head coach of the Connolly Cadets here on Texas Football Today. Uh, you, you got a game this week. <laughs> you know, you guys uh, can't can't look past uh, your squad this week. Uh, you're taking on a uh, taking on a Gatesville squad that I think, uh, despite being 0 three, this is me editorializing. I would I would say is better than their record indicates. Uh, they've played an extremely tough schedule. Um, I'm not going to ask you to give away your game plan here, but uh, but when you take a look at what you're up against uh, on Friday night with uh, with Gatesville, what are you seeing? You know, you're seeing, you know, a football team that's getting better each week. Uh, you know, a new head coach and, and Coach Howard uh, coming in there this year and then taking over a program that Kyle Cooper had built there. Uh, you know, they have, uh, uh, you know, they're a young team. and um, But like I said, they're getting better each week. And uh, like you said, they they played an extremely tough uh, three games so far. And, uh you know they've they've shown signs of, of being able to score some points and then being able to get some stops and you know the thing for us is we got to go to Gatesville and, and those kids are hungry over there and they're looking for that first win under uh, Coach Howard and they're going to do everything they can to make that happen Friday night and it wouldn't nothing make them happier than to to knock off you know a state ranked team like us and uh, so we've got to make sure we're ready to go we've got to have a great week of practice and uh, you know we're going to really really try to focus back on the fundamentals with this being our last game before district starts. And uh, we want to make sure that, that we're blocking and tackling and, and executing at a high level. He is Shane Anderson. He is the head coach of the 3-0 Waco Connolly Cadets. Coach, really appreciate your time. Congratulations on the win on Friday night, and best of luck this week and down the road. Thank you guys for having us on, and uh, look forward to talking to you all soon. Absolutely. There he goes, Shane Anderson, the head coach. Conley Cadets joining us here on Texas Football Today. Appreciate him taking a little bit of time. And, and yeah, I, I mean, look, still work to be done. And, and we've, we've, we've talked about this team kind of from the beginning, mm-hmm. that this is one of those teams that if you want to buy in on a team that, that of, of you know having that kind of top-end talent, they undisputedly have that top-end talent. Yep. Um, the question is going to be, can they put it all together for as long as they want? And I think that, you know, that was one of the, the interesting questions I asked it, uh, about, not to, to kiss my own butt about my, my question, but what I'm saying is that um, they are, it seems like they're trying to manage JV on Sunday's workload. Sure. Because they, 300 carries, guys, is a lot mm-hmm. of carries. That's a, that's, that is a, a to, to use a medical term, that is a buttload of carries. Yeah. <laughs> And like I mean, we've we've seen running backs, you know, wear down mm-hmm. uh, over the course of a season. Obviously, it, I guess the the workload is naturally, I guess, their junior sophomore year when they don't really know like what they have potentially, mm-hmm. and then and then they see, and it's like okay, senior, you know, at the year after the junior, their senior year, let's manage this guy, let's figure out what we, you know, they we know his talent, we know what he can do, we know what he can sustain, and let's kind of work from there. We saw. It, uh, the Mark Way Foster last year. Mm-hmm. We've seen it with these type of rushers that put up big numbers on big workloads there next year. The workload is nearly not as much because they know what they can do and they know that they don't need to rush them out there for sometimes four quarters. That's exactly right. Um, so we appreciate Shane Anderson of Waco Conley hopping on with us. Excited to see what the cadets do this week. I think they'll be fav- they'll be favored this week against Gatesville. Yep. Uh, and then it's a week off and then right into the teeth of that district. Be a lot of fun. So 
We are Texas Football Today. We're here every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com, talking football in the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF, like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Dave Campbells. Follow us on Instagram, Instagram.com slash Dave Campbells, and of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. Let's pay some bills. Dave Campbell's Texas Football, along with Wells Fargo and in conjunction with the Academy Sports and Outdoors Texas Bowl, is proud to present the Mr. Texas Football Player of the Week Award to the most deserving high schooler in the state of Texas. Every Monday at noon, that's, well, really I should say like 1246. <laughs> um, TexasFootball.com announces 10 candidates for that week's award based on the previous week's on-field performance. Voting at TexasFootball.com goes on all week until Friday. Friday at noon, we close the balloting, and we let you decide who is the Mr. Texas Football Player of the Week. They get their name announced, by the way, by Ishmael Johnson on Friday's show. That's so not, really not happening. Well, we'll see. That's no, not happening. That's big time. Yeah, it's big time. When that you is get your name read big by Ishmael time. Johnson, things are going wrong. This well. guy right there. Right there. <laughs> All right. Your week four. Week three. Week three. Week it's four. Three. Week, week three. three. We're entering week four. This is week three. Mr. Texas Football Player of the Week nominees. San Angelo Lakeview wide receiver and defensive back Al Austin Bandy had four catches for 97 yards and two touchdowns, plus returned a fumble 90 yards for a touchdown and had six tackles. That's a complete game. College Station linebacker Travion Thompson, a school record 23 tackles, three sacks, and a tackle for loss. Andrews wide receiver Marquise Lawrence had 13 catches for 242 yards and five touchdowns receiving. Carrollton Ranch views uh, quarterback and safety Caleb Arnold did a little bit of everything. 169 yards and three touchdowns passing. 35 yards and a touchdown rushing. He returned an interception for a touchdown. He forced a fumble. He recovered a fumble, and he had five tackles. The Colony quarterback Mikey Harrington went 33 of 38 for 460 yards and six touchdowns passing and added a touchdown on the ground. El Paso America's running back Aaron Dumas, remember that name, 32 carries, 373 yards, and seven rushing touchdowns for the pride of the Sun City. Sherilyn Pioneer quarterback Eddie Marburger threw for 404 yards and six touchdowns and added 84 yards on the ground. Longview Pine Tree wide receiver and defensive back Keelan Turner, seven catches, 155 yards, four touchdowns kept receiving, plus he returned a kickoff for a touchdown. He had seven tackles and broke up three passes. All in a day's work. Agua Dulce running back Cruz Garcia ran for 300 yards and five touchdowns, plus he picked off a pass and had three tackles. And finally, Flatonia running back to Corey Willis, 14 carries. That's an important number. Remember that. 14 carries, 242 yards, and three touchdowns, plus he had 14 yards receiving, plus he had three tackles, two sacks, and a fumble recovery. So, yeah, <laughs> pretty. That's okay. That's okay. That's a very small school line, too. So those are your Week 3 Mr. Texas Football Player of the Week nominees. San Angelo Lakeview wide receiver defensive back Austin Bandy. College Station linebacker Travion Thompson. Andrews wide receiver Marquise Lawrence. Carrollton Ranch U quarterback and safety Caleb Arnold. The Colony quarterback Mikey Harrington. El Paso America's running back Aaron Dumas. Sherilyn Pioneer quarterback Eddie Marburger, Marburger. rather. Longview Pine Tree wide receiver and defensive back Keelan Turner. Agua Dolce running back Cruz Garcia, and Flatonia running back to Corey Willis. Vote early, vote often, vote now at TexasFootball.com. Okay, one more. Dave Gable's Texas Football proud to honor one, one team from each public school classification with a Team of the Week award. The schools selected throughout the course of this program have best exemplified the best in Texas high school football. Your Week 3 Dave Gable's Texas Football Teams of the Week. In 6A, Klein. Despite playing without reigning district MVP Tyson Thompson, the Bearcats stunned Klein Oak 31-28 in their district opener to turn the district 13 or 15-6A race 
on its head. In 5A, Frisco Lone Star. The Rangers did what no Texas team has done since 1998, beat Highland Park at home as Lone Star rode a huge game from wide receiver Marvin Mims to a 30-19 win over the three-time defending champs. In 4A, El Campo, guided by a three-headed rushing attack of Charles Shorter, John Trey Davis, and Ruben Owens, plus an outstanding defensive effort, the Ricebirds walloped defending state champ Cuero 42-0. In 3A, Tatum, in a wild game that featured big plays on both sides, it was the Eagles who stood tall, going on the road and getting a big, win for, or getting a big game from quarterback Kendrick Malone to knock off 4A Pittsburgh 31-16. In 2A, Dawson, the Bulldogs, fell behind early but rallied behind a resilient performance from quarterback Brendan Horner to grab a 41-19 win over Valley Mills, moving to 3-0 for the first time since 2002. And in 1A, Brooksmith. The Mustangs grinded out a hard-fought 40-38 win over Evant to move to 3-0 on the season, their first 3-0 start since 2000. So those are your Week 3. Dave Campbell's Texas Football Teams of the Week in 6A Klein, in 5A Frisco Lone Star, in 4A El Campo, in 3A Tatum, in 2A Dawson, and in 1A Brooksmith. Congratulations to all the schools. We salute you. For more information, texasfootball.com. All right. Let's wrap it all up. It's been a long show. It's been a good show. Big show. Great show. Okay show. (laughs) Busy show. Busy show. Yeah. Let's wrap it all up. With a good old campus crawl, where we are going to take a look at each of the twelve FBS teams in the state of Texas. So, Ashley, what is the yes? Okay, what is the order on this, this is, one? This is what I want, and I want to turn this into a bit with you. Okay, six and say I was trying to figure it out earlier. So every week, uh, I I'm going to rank. We're going to do these in a different order, uh, and I want to see if Ashley Pickle can guess the order in which I put them in. Do you know? Well, with the way you started off, I thought maybe we were going like south to north, but it doesn't. No, because doesn't we go look, no yeah. because we go north Texas and then A and M. Yeah, so that wouldn't work. That's why the first couple ones is what I thought. I need to send this to you too. <laughs> unfortunately, I'm going to start sending it to you too, so you okay. can see try to guess. figure it out. We are going in, and actually, we'll go through the order, and then if you in the comments, if you can guess the order, then uh, we'll do something for you. Okay. And you'll be a lot smarter than I am. Correct. So. We'll start with the Houston Cougars. Um, Ish, how do you feel about the Houston Cougars at this moment? Because I, I have I've really mixed feelings on them. On one hand, that was a lot better than I thought it could have been. Yeah. I thought there was an, a, I thought there was a fair chance that they were going to get absolutely mollywopped by sure. Wazoo. Sure. And they didn't. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, is it fair to say that I think Dear King has regressed as a passer? I think he has. I don't know if it's just this specific passing game, this style, this vertical passing style that Holgerson wants to implement. Um, he's running him more, which is good. Yeah. I was a little worried the first couple of weeks that he wasn't running him enough or putting him in those situations. The defense is still bad. Yeah. Um, the defense got torched by Anthony Gordon. Yeah. 440 yards. Yeah. So I'm. I don't know. I'm. I'm not worried. But I think that this might be a little bit more of a, I hate to say rebuild, but this might be more of a patch job than I think we I think thought. So. I think so. I think that, I think that we, th- we saw Dana Holgerson coming in, inheriting a big-time quarterback and mm-hmm. a big-time wide receiver in Marquez Stevenson. Yeah. And in the end, maybe we've just like we've overcooked at, it a little bit. Yeah, because you're looking at their schedule. At Tulane, at North Texas, versus Cincinnati. Like, there's next three games. Those aren't Stop those. None of those are <laughs> gimmies. None of those are gimmies. Tulane's cooking right now. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, anyway, that's Houston. Next up, Rice. Uh, Rice is um, they 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 play Texas and um, we play them not because it's easy but because it's hard. <laughs> um, 
uh, it was it it didn't go great. Right. It um, went about as expected. It though. went about as expected, and you know they get two late touchdowns, uh, really from or they get two fourth quarter touchdowns from um, uh, Aston Walter, who caught two two touchdown passes. Um, look, I mean the bottom line of it is that I do think that the defense is actually a little bit better mm-hmm. than it was last year. I think the defense is actually. Not bad, not right. bad, not good, That's but fine. not bad. It but would be really hard for Rice's defensive not to be better. To be be I mean, yeah. it I it was terrible that. last year, and it's it does have its brighter spots but now. in the end, the bottom line of it, it stays the same, which yeah. is that they can't run the ball. Right. And if you can't run the ball, then you need great quarterback play. And the bottom line is that they have Tom Stewart. And mm-hmm. Tom Stewart is a is a, a pretty average conference USA quarterback, it seems like. And that's just not going to cut it. Right. So um, they lose 48-13, to drop to 0-3. And by the way, they played Baylor this week. <sighs> okay. Mm-hmm. Next up, UTSA. UTSA. Um, well, I watched. I watched none of this game, by the way, because I don't have NFL Network. Um, they got. They got armied. They yeah. got armied bad. But the uh, the 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 worst thing is that um, Frank Harris got hurt at one point. Mm-hmm. Did, is he? Do, I do think he came him? back in. I want to okay. say he came back in uh, to finish the game. Yeah. They got Army. Uh, Army runs for 340 yards. But more, most importantly is that they just could not hang on to the freaking football. Um, they, they, they end up turning the ball over three times, and you just can't do that against Army. Mm-hmm. Like, they're going to they're gonna eat you alive. Um, and this was, by the way, Army without their best player. Right. Kendrick Hopkins didn't play. Or Kendrick Hopkins? Mm. Uh, oh, my gosh. He's of course really good, and he's he, and of course this is my favorite college football team. Um, yes, Calvin Hopkins. Calvin Hopkins. There Calvin we Hopkins. go. Um, yeah, no, th- you know this was you know they they got they got armied, mm-hmm. and uh, the bottom line of it is that you know I do think that you know the defense is I think the defense is okay, mm-hmm. but the offense is still figuring it out, and they went up against a good team and they lost. Um, I don't know if this necessarily changes my opinion on them. I still think that you know they're one and two. Yep. Um, their next game is against. Uh, and they're at North Texas, and that won't be any fun. But who knows? I mean, they flashed. If they play like they played against Incarnate Word, they've got a shot, especially mm-hmm. the way North Texas is going. Sorry, Ashley. <sighs> Next up, Texas. The Longhorns uh, did what they should have done. Nice bounce back win. Uh, I thought Sam Ellinger looked pretty good, really sharp. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were able to pull him, get Casey Thompson in the game. Um, they were able to run the ball pretty well. Count Ingram went, went well. I Somebody brought the point. I think it might have been Mike Craven. Maybe Rashawn Johnson's a running back. Right. He looked he good. Looked pretty good. <laughs> he looked good. He looked natural yeah. back there. Um, Jake Smith had a great game. Two two touchdown catches. Um, uh, look, this was about what you expected. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you take on a team that you have overmatched, and you overmatch them. Yep. Uh, that is what it should look like. So if, if you're Texas, you just kind of keep on cruising. Next up, TCU. That was really nice. <laughs> really good. Yeah. Defense looked good. Defense really shut him down. Held him to just right over 200 yards on the game. Um, and when they run the ball, hey, remember a couple years ago when we were talking about how Darius Anderson and Shea Lanalua could be like the most dynamic running back duo in the, in the country? Yep. Well, it turns out we were two years ahead of Yeah, <laughs> like, here we go. They both go over 100. Uh, they run for 300 total. This is not just those two but they run for 346 yards and three touchdowns average more than six yards a carry that's more like it and especially when you have a team that doesn't have a quarterback right now and god max duggan and alex delton went eight for 24 for 75 yards like they they need to start like they're going to need to run the ball and it's going to be on the offensive line to establish the run 
if they do not run the ball, they will lose. And if they do run the ball, they'll win. That's kind of the name of the game because yeah. the defense is going to take care of it. Yep. By the way, did you happen to see who Purdue's leading rusher was? Oh, yeah, King Daru. King Daru, the pride of Amarillo Tuscosa. Nice. Um, anyway, that is, uh, that's TCU. They looked very good. I was very impressed by them. Uh, UTEP. UTEP had the week off. Uh, this week, who do they have? Coming up? Yeah. I don't even know who they have coming UTEP. up. UTEP. Uh, sorry, guys. We've been scrambling. Scheduled. UTEP football schedule. They are playing Nevada. Nevada. Hmm. At home. Winnable. Nevada's not great. Maybe. Come on. Let's we'll do see. it, guys. Let's do it, Myers. We'll see. Next up. The Texas Tech Red Raiders. All right, let's let's break open this corpse. Yeah. <laughs> um, Alan Bowman has the the most eye popping bad game of all time. Mm-hmm. He throws for three hundred and seven yards and a touchdown, but he also throws two picks and he missed some receivers badly. Yep, badly. And when you're not able to run the ball, um, that's just you know that's not going to do it. And and as much as we want to talk about the defense for Tech. And I thought the defense was overall pretty darn good, Mm -hmm. right? But two things. One, they did give up 314 yards on the ground, most notably to Khalil Tate. Right. I mean, he Khalil Tated. He Khalil Tated. (laughs) That guy went off. He's so fast. That 184-yard run. so fast. Yeah, it looked like those Tech defenders, the 84-yard run, they were converging perfectly on him, and then he just broke. all of a sudden. (laughs) Uh, But here's the bigger thing, Okay. The bottom line of it was that this game was 21-14 in the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. and Tech gave up. Let me see if I've got the what's – the, what's the, what was the length of that drive? That was a 13-play, 99-yard drive over 7 minutes and 10 seconds. That is not how you win ball games. Mm-hmm. Plain and simple. You can't do that. Then they, they had a, a, their own drive that was pretty long, ended up stalling out in the Arizona – right outside the Arizona red zone, and that was Church. So – Disappointing for Tech. There are a lot of people who are saying this is like the worst Tech loss in years. I don't think Arizona is great, but this was a road game against a Pac-12 team. Let's not go nuts. I'm not ready to throw the baby out with the bathwater uh, yeah, right now, but, I mean, they get a week off and they go to Oklahoma where they're going to lose. But then they get Oklahoma State, and if you beat Oklahoma State, then you're 3-2 and two and things are looking okay. So I'm not ready to hit the panic button. Let's see what Matt Wells is able to dial up in the, in the, um, in the bye week. Next up, the Baylor Bears. Baylor played a football game. And I'm not seeing Did they? Did they or did they not? I thought they did they? I don't think, no, they, maybe I don't think they did. I think it was Never mind. No, they were off. That's right. Baylor was off. Sorry. Yeah, Baylor took a week off. Uh, next week, this week, they draw Rice and they'll beat Rice. But then they get Iowa State and it'll be a lot more interesting. Um, look, they haven't played anybody in their weight class and mm-hmm. they won't play anybody in their weight class this week. They're going to be 3 0. Uh, but uh, the, the jury's still out. We've been very impressed with everything so far with Baylor. The We won't find out a whole lot this week, I don't think. I mean, the only things we can find out about Baylor this week are bad. Right. So, that's it. Next up, North Texas, the Mean Green. Um, They had their shot, but you can't fall down 20 to nothing in the first quarter. You just can't. They can't. And, and, and um, you know, Mason Fine continues to, to like it, it seems to be the same kind of issues, which are the offensive line can't protect Mason Fine. He's he's having to make plays, and, and, and don't get me wrong, he put up some decent numbers, two ten and two two touchdowns, but they need to find some running game, uh, like a consistent running game. Trey Siggers had a decent game, but they got to find a consistent running game, and more importantly, they got to be able to protect him. And if they don't protect Mason Fine, then then it it doesn't matter. And that has been that has been the issue with North Texas for I feel like most of like the past seasons that Mason has played. Yeah. He's an undersized quarterback who 
you have to protect him. He's got an unbelievable arm, but you've got to give him time in the pocket to be able to get those those passes off. And they, of course, d they didn't do it again this week. And look, the defense I thought was pretty good. Mm -hmm. like, they played a pretty solid game, mm -hmm. especially after the the loss to SMU. Like they they looked good. They held Cal to seven of nineteen on third downs, just under under three hundred yards. You should be able to win that game, but you just can't fall behind two. You know, you can't fall behind twenty to nothing and then on the road and expect to make a comeback. Uh, you know, and it was just it was ugly. You can't fumble. Their their first their first four possessions fumble punt punt punt. No, you can't do that. And then very soon after that, it was a wide open bomb from Mason. He had it in his hands, and the wide receiver dropped it. And it's just like if you're gonna if you're going to pull out a game like that, you have got to catch those passes. Disappointing. Disappointing because they had it, and they they could have had a really nice signature win on the road, but they let it go. Next up, the Texas A&M Aggies. Uh, hello, Blue Connect, Connect. They took care of business. But, uh, you know, the, the weird thing is, I, I feel like people want to pick nits at A&M right now. Um, mm. Again, what I, what, my, my stance is clear. I don't think we know a whole lot about them yet right. because we knew they were going to beat Texas State, we knew they were going to lose to Clemson, and then we knew they were going to beat Lamar. So far, they are chalk. Mm -hmm. They are chalky. We'll find out this week. And it's up to Kellen Mond to play a team with a pulse and have a good game. Because if he has another bad game, look, Zach Calzada, Calzada looked good in cleanup duty. He looked pretty good. And, I, man, Aggie Twitter was going nuts. Like, maybe it should just be Calzada. <laughs> it probably shouldn't be. But, I mean, those are only going to get louder if right. he has a bad game against Auburn. And, by the way, Auburn's defensive line is legit. Probably the best in the country. Yes. So, it'll be an interesting game um, on, on Saturday when is they take on Auburn. College Station? Or yeah, it's it? in College Station. Okay. Yeah. Um, in College That'll Station, help. and it's going to be a uh, it's going to be a, a big game. It's a 2.30 CBS game. Oh, yeah. And so, they got the big one. You want to you want to make a statement, Aggies, and you want to prove that you're that that things are truly changing. Here's a game you get at home, big crowd, two thirty. Everybody's gonna be amped up. Go out there and win it. But they take care of business against Lamar. That's how what they should have looked like. Next up, the Texas State Bobcats, and with that, we go to our Texas State correspondent, Ishmael Jones. Uh, Texas State still don't have a quarterback. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, did, did I read correctly that um, Spavisall basically considered an open competition at this point? An open competition between Tyler Vitt and Chris Jensen. So, I mean. <laughs> uh, as you as you know, as many people know, we are Jalen Gibson fans here. But mm -hmm. he apparently said that he's progressing well as a wide receiver, and he kind of wants him to see what it goes from there. Uh, Brady McBride's eligibility is still up in the air, looking like a solid no at this yeah. point, or at least getting him integrated at this point. It'll be a hard, of, yeah, it's, yeah. It's a hard sell. Even like if he gets cleared today, right? He probably can't play this week, right? You know what I mean? And so, yeah, the SMU. Didn't really have to do much on defense. They were able to get a push pretty effortlessly on the defensive line. Um, Texas State couldn't block, really couldn't. They, they I'll, I'll give them credit. They took away what Gresh Jensen does well, which is the intermediate game. Mm -hmm. He had no room in the intermediate passing game. He had to go deep. He doesn't have a great deep ball. And he either had to go deep and miss his throws, or he had to go underneath and just get like two-yard gains. And so it, I'll credit SMU's defense, but Texas State's quarterback situation is still not good at all. Defense was bad and gave 390 yards rushing, 639 yards overall, which is just a bad, bad game. They for forced two picks. Um, I, think it w I think it was the floodgates kind of open near the end because mm -hmm. they were just the offense was not moving the ball. So. Well, the, I mean, the biggest thing for me, and I, I, I hate to keep harping on this, but they can't run the ball. Yeah. It's like – if you don't have a, to go back, it's like TCU. If you can't run the if you can't run the ball, it's going to be put, put, get put on your quarterback. Yeah. If, if you don't have a quarterback, it's going to go bad. Yeah. Sorry, like I hate to be a professional Simple football analyst like that. that. It's just true. Yeah. And finally, on the other side, the SMU Mustangs. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, that was impressive. Very impressive. Very impressive. Uh, TJ McDaniel, eight carries, 159 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, and by the way, he was basically spelling Xavier Jones, right. who ran for 108 yards in the score. They were grinding it out on the ground. They looked really good. Shane Bouchelle was sharp for the most part. It's weird. He He's had fine. as many incompletions as he had interceptions. Yeah. <laughs> which is weird. Um, I think he's fine, but I think that, again, their strength offensively is going to be balanced. Mm-hmm. If they're able to run the ball and then Shane Bouchelle is – you're asking him to – Shane Bouchelle threw the ball 18 times. Yeah. Perfect. Mm-hmm. If he throws the ball 23 times, fine. That's fine. But anything over about that, and you're probably asking too much of him. You don't want him to go out there and have to win that game for you. Uh, but in the end, look, that was really good. Defense stood, stood tall. Fun times uh, in uh, on, on the hilltop, and now they get the battle of the Iron Skillet, and yeah. that will be a lot of fun. Both teams undefeated. I don't know the last time that happened. In fact, SMU has they haven't been three and zero. Nineteen eighty four, I believe. Mm, yeah. That's crazy. Pony Express. Um, Pony Express times. Uh, does anybody know? Does anybody know what the campus crawl order was? We do have a guess. Okay. There was. Let's see. Let's find him here. Uh, Josh Chapa said that he thinks that it's biggest to smallest cities. That's correct. Yes, oh. there yes. we go. Nice. From Houston, and we went Houston or Rice because alphabetical order, all the way down to University Park. Ah, in, there you go. In Dallas. There we uh, go. Yes, that is Good correct. Good job, Josh. Good job, Josh. We'll. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, congratulations. You a, congratulations. You get a pat on the back. And now we go to Ashley Pickle for America's second favorite segment. Final thoughts. All right. Up. First on the board, let's see. Um, Two-part question from Clayton. Uh, did you see San Angelo Central lose to Cedar Park, and what does that say about Central? This is one of your pick games. Yes. That's why I like this question. This is one of my big games. Um, Central had that game kind of won, and uh, Cedar Park rallied for two scores in the final minute and a half or something and ended up forcing overtime and winning in overtime. Uh, I think that that's actually pretty encouraging for Central because the, the defense kind of showed up. Um, for the most part. Uh, look, you are what your record says you are. I, I think that right now, when you take a look at that district, let me pull up there. Let me make sure I'm not speaking out of turn. Um, but when you take a look at the, the district, obviously they, they're going to draw a team like, um, they're going to draw a team like Eulis Trinity at some point. Um, and look, I think right now, Trinity's a favorite. Weatherford's a problem. They're 3-0. Um, I still think Haltom's going to figure it out. But you know, Central's Central's fine. But the problem is that if you're the if you're the second be- if you're the number two team uh, out of that di- out of that district, then then you're coming to Arlington to play in the round one, and that's the problem. Um, I think they're they're a team that's one and two. That's probably better than one and two. They're probably like a 500 team. Like if they played another yeah. game, like they and they'll they'll probably be favored this week against El Paso Pebble Hills. But who knows? I'll have to go to El Paso. Uh, yeah, I, I I think I'm encouraged by San Angelo Central, but not. Uh, absurd because they got you know got to finish that game. You had them beat. That was my thought. So, and right, you're right about the distance too. We talked about that with Cedar mm-hmm. Park. They had three hours and fifteen minutes. Mm-hmm. Like that's so. If they have to come to Arlington after that first yeah, one, I mean, that's well, the and distance. that's what we saw last year. Is that last year they, they ended up playing uh, Arlington Lamar in the first round and uh, Jack Dawson tore them up. And and now I, I also think Arlington Lamar was a better team than San Angelo Central last year. Um, you know we're going to find out. And 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 the Cedar Park defense did its part to hold them in the game while the offense figured things out and. You know, so credit to them, credit to Cedar Park, but uh, yeah, overall, you know, kind of a mixed bag for for Central. I don't think it's necessarily panic time, but uh, probably a little bit discouraging to be one and two at this point. And then one more here. This one's from Jesse L C Wyatt. He said, "I'm driving to Shreveport from Dallas to watch Longview represent for Texas Girl. as they face Louisiana Power West Monroe. Ooh. What are y'all's thoughts? Uh they're gonna win. 
Because I always pick but one because Long Beach is really good. <laughs> right. Uh, and you I, can't pick the Louisiana and, school. Come on now. No. God, out no. of state. It's called Texas football this for is a Dave reason. This Campbell's <laughs> Texas football. Uh, yeah, I don't. You know, I think it's. They're going to beat them because Longview is awesome. Go Longview. We can throw it. We can yes, editorialize this because. Yeah, we can now editorialize. <laughs> yep. We are rooting for Longview because they're playing it just like we were rooting for Duncanville yep. uh, against uh, that St. John's from D.C. Uh, and if, if it's a Texas team playing an out-of-state team, we are unabashedly homers for that. <laughs> All right. That's going to do it for us. Thank you for spending part of your day with us. Follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Dave Campbell's. Follow us on Instagram. Instagram.com slash Dave Campbell's. And of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. Thanks again to Shane Anderson of Waco Conley for being our guest. For Ashley Pickle and Ishmael Johnson, I'm Greg Tepper. Vince Young, please be your Player of the Year trophy. We will see you tomorrow on Texas Football Today.